Ernest, what's up? Y'all know I'm big on doing your research, sharing your research, and giving credit to where you found the research. But I always get asked the same question. Where do I start with the research? And the answer is easy. It's our sponsor, Yahoo Finance. Whether I'm tracking the daily movement of my favorite companies, doing technical analysis with their easy-to-use charting platform, or checking balance sheets, Yahoo Finance makes something very complex simplified. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or you're looking for extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. You could actually securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including your 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors. And it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. With a community of over 90 million users each month, their real strength is helping you on your way to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com. The number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. You heard me, yahoofinance.com. Don't wait, don't hesitate. I use it. You should go over and start using it now. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. So if the school has a sponsor, the player can't have that same sponsor? Boom. It just people don't say that out loud. That's why I'm here. Uh, so a school like Michigan, I'm assuming. They have their, their Nike schools. So Nike you, can't, school. you can't be a quarterback and have a Nike sponsorship because Nike's already sponsored. You, you can be, no. You can be the quarterback and wear Nike for free. You can't get paid. Or you can't wear nothing else. If, if this was some, if NIL was supposed to represent a true market value, that means when you go to a college, you should be able to wear whatever shoes that's paying you. Not the shoe that has a contract with the school. My graduates from my school being Forbes. Backdrop. Backdrop. <laughs> a mic drop. Backdrop. Backdrop. All right. All right, guys. Welcome back. EYL Detroit edition. So, what this, up, is, though? this is something. What that, up, though? You gotta have a proper introduction. I'm about to get All to right. it. What this up, is something though? that's very important to both of us. So, before we was fans of anything, we was fans of sport and basketball specifically. So, the Fab Five. For me, I played basketball my whole life, and I used to think I was going to go to the NBA. That was my original plan. So, I don't think I even ever said this publicly, but. The only time I really got emotional in sports is, I think, 1992 when you guys lost to Duke. Mm. And I remember I, was, I, was, I started crying because mm. it was real emotional for me <laughs> because it was kind of like a fight where you got 
the good, not to say Duke was bad guys, but it was just like, mm-hmm. the, you know what I'm saying? Like you got all your hopes and pride in, in one team and the other team was just, I hated Duke for years, mm-hmm. like 20 years off of that. You too. And it was like what the Fab Five <laughs> represented. Okay bad guys. <laughs> what the Fab Five represented was bigger than basketball. For me, it was it was just the culture. Like y'all had the uniforms, y'all had the swag, baggy, the black sneakers, black, black the, the ball heads. Like that was like culture. And that's the first time I ever saw something like that happen. So it was just such a pride that y'all made it that far. And then when y'all lost, mm-hmm. it was just. Thank you. Appreciate the support. And the crazy thing about that is, obviously, we stand on the shoulders of giants. And there are people that I, we looked up to as well. So in collegiate basketball, John Thompson and what he was doing with Georgetown, just like a legendary figure. And he stood for the athlete and the athlete's voice because he understood that a lot of us came from impoverished backgrounds and single parent homes. And I remember Big John was protesting Prop 48. And the game would start, and before they do the tip, Big John will walk off. And a lot of people don't realize this, but he was in contact with us. Mm -hmm. And if that would have gone on like a few more games, there's a great chance that we would have walked off too. Mm -hmm. And so like that relationship was there. UNLV with Tark. That's another team. Legendary. Anderson Hunt went to Detroit Southwestern. Ah, that's the same school school. I went to. So when I was in eighth grade, going to ninth grade, he was 12th grade to be a freshman at UNLV. And so we played in the Vegas International. I went to UNLV multiple summers. I remember being there on recruiting trips and meeting Ed O'Bannon and J.R. Ryder because I feel like I was going to UNLV. Because at that time, you were picking a school that represented your culture or somebody that you know from your hometown went there to be successful. So I took a visit to Syracuse. They had Derek Coleman. Yeah. It's my OG. It's my big brother. Sherman Douglas. Come home. So, so y'all, people say, where the shorts come from? Anderson Hunt was giving me shorts. Derek Coleman was giving me shorts. Doug Smith was at Missouri. He was giving me shorts. So in the summertime, that's what it was. So by the time we got to college, we like we not wearing them. Those too small. We know y'all got the we know y'all got the bread, y'all got the budget, and if y'all not gonna pay us, at least let us look the way we wanted to look. But the the team we embodied the most, to be honest with y'all, Hurricanes football. Eighty eight. The U. The U. The U. Michael Irvin. Look. The U. <laughs> Legendary. Dog, let me tell you something. <laughs> The way you felt when we played Duke is how I felt when they played Notre Dame. And I remember the Saints versus Sinners game. Saints versus City, yep. And it was crazy to watch how they were able to overcome being judged by the media and still be great at their sport. And so we really just tried to take the baton for what they were doing, and that's what made the Fab Five. Were you the first one to say I'm going to Michigan? Because, I mean, obviously the UNL, I'm just thinking about that now. Like, if you're on that UNL UNL team, you got Greg Anthony, Anderson Hunt, Stacey Ogman, Larry Johnson, and then they left, but you could have, you would have been the very next freshman class. Correct. So, like, are you the first one to say, nah, I got to stay home? Because that would have been, that would have been crazy. So, I love Tark. Tark is the man. And his... Um, associate head coach Tim Gergovich, he coached in the league for a long time. Like, 
they were one of the first major programs that would take what were considered troubled black kids. And I talked about this in the Five Five documentary, and obviously I got a lot of blowback of speaking about how I felt as a young person. But colleges know who they recruit. Mm -hmm. They do their homework about you. And they know a player that lives on a cul-de-sac or that doesn't have heat in the house. They know the difference. And my frustration with schools like Duke, and that's what I said, is they didn't recruit players like me. Mm. But UNLV did. And so I love Tart, and I would have been a part of that next class, except Jawan signed first. And we had a game against the Soviets in 1991, our senior year. Jawan was playing in Chicago. Chris and I were playing in Detroit. This was, this was way before like the influx of international players were in the league. This is around the time the Dream Team, I believe, was the same year. So the Soviets came here to play us in downtown Detroit. Juwan came to play on the team. And so we were friends already. We were in McDonald's All-American game. Juwan had committed. Ray, Jimmy committed. Ray committed in the early period. But C. Webb and I didn't commit to after the season. And I, was, I guess I was on my, what Lamar Jackson is on now. Like, I'll wait till at the end of the season before I decide. I'm going to wait till, you know. And so I didn't decide until after the state championship. We won a state championship. And so I chose number five because I was the fifth member of the Fab Five to sign. That wasn't my number in high school. Mm. I knew we were creating something special. And so that's why I chose to go to Michigan. It's, it's little things that people don't even realize that I'm, it's bringing back so many memories for me. Like when you talk about shorts, shorts were real big in that era and I'm from New York so it was like Ola's were, remember that was it was, it was a store in Harlem right. and it was like these shorts used to cost like $60 which was but a you lot had to, that was like wearing like Gucci or Louis Vuitton exactly. mm -hmm. and it was like we like shorts I remember Arkansas raised they went too far their shorts was like down to the ankle they were after yeah, us yeah, yeah. 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 Kareem because Kareem, Kareem was so short uh-huh they went too far, but we it's like little things like that meant a lot. It, it sounds crazy, like shorts is really something, but like shorts, y'all guys, like it was fashion. Like it wasn't just basketball, it was actually fashion. Yeah. It was it was it was fashion, but it was also unapologetic. See, the one thing that being the 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 descendants of slavery as black people, we try to express ourselves in ways where we can't be denied. And so I can wear my hair the way I want to wear it. You may not like it. You may not even give me a job because I got an Afro. I got braids. I have twists. Like that happens. The same thing happens with fashion. There are a lot of people that did not like the fact that we were wearing long shorts because we look different. Like, who, who are they? Like, <laughs> like what? Because we were trying to be comfortable. It, we didn't realize the phenomenon it was going to have. We were just like, we're not wearing those small shorts. I love Isaiah Thomas. That's the OG. He is sponsor of JRLA. But I'm not wearing those small shorts. <laughs> he had and him and John Stockton. Him and John Stockton and Dennis Rodman <laughs> had the smallest shorts of all time. That's like soft porn. <laughs> like, for real, for real. We're not doing that. And, but the other thing we ain't doing... And I see y'all got fresh kicks on. 
we ain't wearing those those jock shoes y'all giving us. <laughs> no, nah, we're the Dion's. Yeah. We're the Bo Jacksons. We rocking those. Y'all made the Air Max basketball sneaker. They thing. came back four times with bag with boxes of shoes, but bags of shoes that dropped them on the floor. We like we ain't, we ain't wearing no. <laughs> don't even don't even. Mm-mm. Where the Jordans at? And that's how we ended up wearing the Barclays, and then end up wearing the Harachis. Legendary. And Legendary. that became a Fab Five shoe that's been re-released. To this day. To this day. Yeah. So if NIL existed then, like I don't even have to make this up. Like Some people have to project what might happen. Imagine if we had, and this is why I always acknowledge standing on the shoulders of giants, because people now that come behind us are smart enough to trademark stuff. Times are different. When I was in college, I didn't know my, my credit score. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like Times were just different. And so imagine if we would have been able to trademark socks that were black. When we went to the mall, they didn't even have five pairs of black socks in the whole mall. That's crazy. So if we got a dollar for every time somebody bought black socks, me and Phil Knight would be neighbors. <laughs> all, all I wore in high school, we played both, he's on the same high school team, that's all I wore, is black socks. Correct. But it, it, it stems from y'all. Duh, we were in Texas, we went to the mall, they only had three pairs. I wore dress socks against Rice on top of white socks. I had on dress socks. It's so crazy because even now, <laughs> so, even, I, even I now, have it, so I have to wear my pops dress on. <laughs> exactly. Even now to this day, this summer I was in Philly. I went to Mitchell and Ness store, and I got the whole uniform. I got Chris Webber's jersey, and I got the uh, the shorts. So that's twenty five years later. Correct. And it's still, and I wore it. I was in Dykeman. I wore it to the game. They were like, "Yo, where you get that jersey from?" Like it's that's like love. It's, 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 and by the way, shout to Jim Jones. That's my brother. I ain't get up there to repre- represent at Dykeman. Shout to Dave East who just, that's my brother who represents the Pacer jersey, just shouted out Jalen and Jacoby recently. Like, those, those my guys. And it's crazy for me, as somebody that's almost 50, to see what you just said. That's crazy. Like, like, like Jalen is a common name. Yeah. That is a fact. You, you and Nas. It's a common name. Nasir, I feel like I didn't really hear too many people named Nasir before Nas. And Jalen, I never heard anybody named Jalen. Before you, and now they're both kind of. You hear anybody named Jalen? Yeah, and it's turning like into unisex. Thing. Correct. Jalen's turned into a unisex name. And here's what I've said this to Shaq and to Denzel, who I love dearly. Got both of their numbers in my phone, but they're like the greatest at what they've accomplished. Like there isn't a larger than life former athlete than Shaq, literally and physically. And Denzel, he's the goat at what he does. So people are gonna name their kids after them. But the one thing I noticed. They're all black boys or girls. They're all black men. Mm-hmm. Like the name Jalen is a unisex name. Different races, different shades, different creeds, boys and girls. And that literally started because of the popularity that we had as the Fab Five. It was on the list of my daughter's names. My mom's name starts with a J, and so Jalen was on the name. Yeah, that literally started because of the Fab Five. And so what we've been able to accomplish there's a score of the game, and it's the game of life. I was in school three years. Like, Tom Izzo could be at Michigan 30 years. I mean, Tom Izzo could be at Michigan State 30 years, and he is a great coach. <laughs> but win one championship yep. in that 30 years, and we'd be like, it's a champion. Yeah. I only get three years. Yeah. I don't, I don't get 30. Yeah. And so what happens beyond the score of the game? There are a lot of teams that win championships. There are a lot of people that win accolades. But the thing that we won that can't be purchased is the culture. 
And so I appreciate having hip hop, the inner city, urban areas support us then. So now when we became mainstream, I remember people was trying to hide us. It was like rap music. It was like, <laughs> don't look at them. Like we don't ball heads, black shoes, black socks. We ain't, we ain't, uh-uh. Get that out of here. And it was like when I saw what Muhammad Ali, that Muhammad Ali is my favorite athlete of all time. And it broke my heart to see how he was ostracized from society. And then when he had really bad Tourette's, I felt like, oh, we're going to embrace him now. Let him hold the torch in Atlanta. Mm. I was like, what? It's late 90s. Like, he's been a legend 30 years and was ostracized by society. And so I'm just happy that we're each living and breathing now and get a chance to see the progression of what we've accomplished and now how it's played out in society. You talked about John Thompson, Prop 48. Can you talk about that? And how did that even come about that he reached out to you guys? And explain what Prop 48 is. So when we were in high school, there was a Prop 48 and a Prop 42. Young people now take SAT, they take ACT um, achievement tests to determine where they are based on um, their, those test results. But there was also a secondary res, uh, test that athletes were required to take. It was called the Prop 48 test. And by the way, why we gotta take an extra test? You know what I'm saying? Like, try and play ball. Like, why do I gotta take an extra test? That extra test was Prop 48. And so, like SAT, ACT, or many state-assessed um, tests, it, it wasn't something that we were introduced to or even taught in our schools, and it wasn't something that we necessarily had the resources to go out to get the support to actually navigate. So there were so many great athletes who were eligible in high school, signed letters of intent, or were in, were in route to sign letters of intent, but couldn't enroll and play unless you passed this test. That was called the Prop 48. And John Thompson, um, I appreciate so very much. He understood that it was culturally unsound how it was being administered. So what he did, what you hope most coaches would do, what most coaches didn't do, by the way, during the NIL. So let me just throw this out there. If coaches wanted players to get the NIL, why ain't nobody standing on the table? Ain't nobody say nothing because they was getting paid still getting paid, getting their shoe money, getting their appearance money, getting their radio money, getting their TV money, getting their camp money, getting their money from the school. Nobody stood on the table like John Thompson did for Prop 48. And he said, this is so unfair that I know the Big Ten, I know the Big East is popping. I know we just got the big shoe deal. I know everybody watching. But when these games start, I'm going to walk off in protest. And as he did it, the snowball got bigger. And I don't, I, maybe it was a gentleman named Greg Harden, I believe, who was like an administer, administrator at Michigan, who kind of pulled my coat in particular to it. But he was like a bridge to Coach Thompson. Like, oh, Coach Thompson? Like, hey, Coach Thompson know my name? <laughs> That's love. And we were talking about what happens if the rule doesn't change. What you willing to do? I'm willing to walk off too. What you willing to do? It was like, uh, 
uh, Snoop, what you want to do? What you want to do? You know what I mean? Right. 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 That's what it was. And yeah. so we was like, we ready. We're going to follow you, big fella. And no different than when we rocked the Black Sox, when people didn't see it coming, we were ready to to fall in line behind Big John around the Prop 48. So, but I mean, John Thompson, obviously, rest in peace, legendary coach at Georgetown. But you didn't go to Georgetown. So I want the role that, as this is happening, the coach that you had, Steve Fisher, who obviously gave you all freedom to, to be mm-hmm. who you are. What was that like? Coach, coach Frieder took a lot of um, disrespect by white America because a lot of people called him a Negro lover. And this was at a time when in the Big Ten, you have personalities like Bobby Knight. Indiana. And Gene Cady. Purdue. Where on paper, it looks like they're disciplining them. They're keeping them in check. And it's like, hey, Fish, why, why are you letting Jalen Rose wear his back, jersey backwards? Like, why, are they, why is Chris Webber talking trash after a dunk? Put them Negroes in check. And when they felt like he didn't discipline us in front of them, they got mad at him. It's, it's something funny that happened in the Fab Five doc that goes over a lot of people's head. We were getting off the bus and we were in Europe. And we had on just like a jogging suit right now. I literally had on like a button-up jogging suit like I have on right now. And he was like, Jalen, tuck that jacket in. He forced me to tuck my jacket into my pants. <laughs> you see what I mean? But he just didn't do it outwardly and wasn't as demonstrative or as mean as other coaches at the time. So people tried to take it as we were running over him, but we wasn't. That was It was so far from the truth. And he supported us. People didn't like that. We were in his office one time and I was just having a bad day, you know, I was frowning. He's like, Jaden, what's wrong? It's like, my mother lights got cut off. That's what's wrong. Like, I need to get my Pell Grant money. Like, I need an advance. I need to do something. And at the time, I was, I used to shoot dice all of the time. That was one of my hustles. I used to, you know, play a lot of cards. In my mind, like, I got to go hustle more to help my mom and to help my situation because if you're poor at home in Detroit and now you got an apartment in Ann Arbor, that's two separate places that need the bills to get paid when we couldn't pay the bills at the first spot. And he was understanding of that. He appreciated my honesty. He appreciated our relationship enough to whereas I'm not from where you from, but I get where you coming from. And that's what Steve Fisher did for the Fab Five overall. He, uh, he could have started us from the beginning. And he'll tell you this story, well he's mentioned this story, is that he had to get the courage to start us off because everybody was mad at him. Mm-hmm. And, and his father always told him, just play the best players. Like, don't forget the white media, forget whoever that that like accuses you of, you know, being a Negro lover, so to speak. But his father died during the season. And we was about to play Notre Dame. Right, before, right after his father died. And we walked in the locker room 
for the first time, we seen all of our names on the board. We're like, oh shit. We're like, we starting. It was on national TV, it was on NBC. And we was like, we was like this shit better work. <laughs> Turn up. Because <laughs> everybody watching, yeah. this better work. And we scored every point, we won the game, and that was a thank you to Coach Fisher in particular. So let's talk about this. So you, NIL, name, image, likeness, mm -hmm. um, you've referenced before that you didn't have money to eat at certain times, but you saw your jersey being sold while you was in college Correct. and how that, how that you know affected you psychologically. So this is a big deal because for a long time, people have benefited from college athletics, from college athletes, and it hasn't been the athlete. And if they took money, then it was under the table and they got villainized and they got stripped of awards that they won and made it seem like they was like criminals, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So now uh, players can actually profit mm -hmm. from their likeness. Some coaches like uh, Nick Saban mm -hmm. disagrees with some of the things that's happened. Mm -hmm. Some coaches are for it. What's your thoughts on NIL. The number one word is greed that I have. And I'm really disappointed in how the NIL distribution has actually played out. Ernest, what's going on? As you gear up for fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. When we're looking for a sound engineer, a graphic designer, or an editor, LinkedIn Jobs is the first place we go. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job in the purple hiring hashtag frame on your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash EYL. That's linkedin.com slash EYL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. But I want to set the table with this acknowledgement. The sports that are predominantly black are the ones that once you get into them, the goal is for you to feed the system and help the system make as much money as possible before you profit. Basketball and football, predominantly black sports, are the main ones with restrictions after high school. Mm -hmm. For a while, it had dress code, had salary cap, couldn't smoke weed, um, had a length of contracts. Like in baseball, you can sign a 10-year deal. In hockey, you can sign a nine-year deal. Can't in basketball. In tennis, in, in golf, in NASCAR, you can turn pro after high school. Canaan basketball and football, they're gonna force us. And this is, this is, this is a residue of slavery. This, this, that's what it is. They're gonna force you to feed and pay the system as long as possible. When you graduate from high school, there's so many players that shown you can go to the league and be successful. Kobe, KG, JL, 
um, Daryl Dawkins, Spencer Haywood, the originator, LeBron James, LeBron James, so so T Mac. So there's evidence, concrete evidence that Hall of Fame players can go from high school to the pros. Was 2022? Now that's banned. Why? They want you to feed the system. Same with the NFL. So what happens with the NIL is right now, Jeep is a sponsor of JRLA. Puma is a sponsor. MGM is a sponsor. If I went to Michigan right now, they wouldn't let me have them as sponsors because it conflicts with what they already have. So now you're just getting like the, the, the residue. Oh, explain that. Explain that. So if the school has a sponsor, the player can't have that same sponsor. Boom. It's just people don't say that out loud. That's why I'm here. Uh, so a school like Michigan, I'm assuming. They have their, their Nike school. So Nike you, can't, school. you can't be a quarterback and have a Nike sponsorship because Nike's already sponsored. You, you can be, no. You can be the quarterback and wear Nike for free. You can't get paid. Or you can't wear nothing else. So see, let, see yeah, if, okay. if this is if okay. this if this is a tr- if, if this was some if NIL was supposed to represent a true market value, that means when you go to a college, you should be able to wear whatever shoes that's paying you, not the shoe that has a contract with the school. Right. So the, the Nike school, you can't have an Adidas athlete, or even like if it's a school like Michigan, hypothetically, Ford is huge in Michigan, right? They're not doing anything with Chrysler. No. So say the school has a deal with a network and I have a deal with a network. They're going to try to make me get rid of my deal before I sign. There's some fine print in your letter of intent that basically acknowledges whatever things that happen with the school, whatever sponsors happen with the school, whatever sponsors happen with the program, you're required to support that. So that's why you're not seeing major collegiate athletes getting paid off of NIL because the schools ain't giving up their relationship. So um, the example we just used, say Michigan has a deal with Nike and Nike's going to pay them $50 million a year or whatever. And you're trying to get the number one player in the country. You're trying to get Bronny James to come there. Hypothetically, he ain't choosing no school for no money. I'm just... Right. using him as an example and say the deal is 50 million dollars Nike don't care if you get Bronny 5 they don't care but they're going to give you 45 mm. and you're going to give him 5 the deal's still 50 that's the difference the school ain't going to cut into their bread to make sure you get paid so that's what's going on so that makes my life that's why sense. nobody getting yeah, paid that's, that's why I mean, nobody has like a nike sponsorship you, yeah. you only see no players with like nike deals you have not seen players get real deals it's, ran, it's like random so the quarterback the quarterback at alabama that had like seven, he's, he's not even the highest but he's seven hundred forty-four thousand. but arch, arch, arch man it's, it's like random companies so it'd be like a phone random. company that's that's local or something or like that. a heating and cooling exactly company. yeah but arch manning He's getting three point four million. Say that name out loud. Exactly. Well, we know that. I was gonna say his name. Okay. Who's he, get, who's he getting three point four million from? Oh, they just announced it. He's at. Texas. That's the youngest brother. He's the nephew of Peyton Manning. Right. Nephew. Yeah. He's a quarterback at Texas. He's, yeah, he's gonna, he's gonna be. Correct. 
and say that name again. That that last name. Okay. That's what so yeah. Okay. Both names. His name's Archie Manning. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a, that's so, a legendary. So, so they can send some emails and some texts, right, to make sure that he's gonna get taken care. Of. That's one person. So you're right. not you're not a fan of the NIL rule. I'm a fan of it existing. I know it's not gonna have the impact that it should, because we institute we had a shoe. There was a Fab Five shoe called the Harachi that truly exists. That's a living, breathing thing. There's um, licensing for shorts. There's licensing for socks. Like if we would have been able to profit off of that, in particular players like Ray and Jimmy, who didn't have long NBA careers, they would be millionaires off of that. Just off the residuals. Correct. And so now you graduate the idea and Again, it's a it's 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 almost a Jedi mind trick to somebody that lived the game and know the game. So the rest of the world celebrate and I am yes. Ah. But <laughs> yeah. you don't see nobody getting nothing. Yeah. And and it's crazy too, because it's like I used to play D one for a couple of years. So when the the game was out, uh, what was it, two K? <laughs> Not too cool. What was it? Oh, that college Madden. basketball March game, March Madness. March Madness. So, I remember yeah. being on that he game. To, I never yeah. played video game, but he used to play. He used to play with my character. So I, I thought it was That's dope. That's what a real brother does. That's you see love. what I'm saying? I'm going to win love. with this team. That's love. But Even I, though he's rated 70. <laughs> right. Well, right, what? Take him all of the shots and everything. That was a, that was a bad rating. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I just thought it was cool just to have a, a character in a video game. I wasn't really, I'm in college. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, this is dope that I'm actually in a video game and then when I believe it was Ed O'Bannon right Ed O'Bannon Ed O'Bannon yeah, yeah. they sued and then they won and then I actually got a check I think I got a check for like three four thousand dollars later on but long story short I was part of a class action lawsuit so then you start to realize later on like then they was actually making a lot of money from your likeness correct you know what I'm saying you, but you, you don't realize that when you're in it and you know what did they do they, they stopped the game there's no more boom <laughs> because we ain't gonna pay you no more that's it yeah yeah they stopped the game. <laughs> There's no more game. There's no more March Madness football. There's no they, more Madness football. Think about it. Basketball. They just stopped the game. It ain't like we're going to keep the game and pay the players. It's like we're going to get rid of the game so we don't have to play the players. And like you, I remember being on that game, being naive, playing with myself, and da 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 And imagine, you got $4,000 probably a decade or so after you left school. Just, 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 just think about those residuals. Just think about that. The, uh, if, if they gave you four thousand dollars, that mean they made forty million. Minimum. Yeah. Let alone whoever the the cover team was, because they didn't use the use the picture. It would be like whoever was a championship team. I remember yeah. when when Melo and them won, and it was just like. Damn, they just got his pitch up there like that? Right. His <laughs> like, body style. Like, you know what I'm saying? Got his braids. Yeah. Got everything. <laughs> but don't have his name. Like, we know who that is. And so, again, I think the NIL, the institution of the NIL is a Band-Aid. The, 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 the true um, execution that's going to be game-changing is when the schools and the coaches, as you mentioned, Nick Saban, are willing to share their sponsors that are locked in with the school. Because you can't come in with a competitor. If you got Nike, I can't wear Puma. If you got Ford, I can't rock Jeep. So I can't get the big bag. 
And that's yeah. funneling a lot of Adidas kids to Adidas schools, a lot of Nike kids to Nike schools. Yeah. Correct. Because, and then what happens is that starts to funnel down to high school. That's what I'm saying, yeah, the yeah. high school level, yep. the AAU programs. And, and why a lot of times does that shoe company sponsor that team? Because of, of who's playing on yeah, it. Exactly. Of course. Yeah, exactly. I remember, I'll never forget playing against Jamal Mashburn and the Gauchos and them. I was like, they was booted. Yeah. I was like, yo, they fresh. That's because of the players that have come through the program, and so we're going to invest in that program. Does that program still exist? Yeah, Gaucho? but it's not, it's not yeah. on the same level that it was before. It's been a little dry spell for New York. Well, correct. Professionals. That's like St. Cecilia in Detroit. The same thing. When players were playing and it had the... The, the cachet, then we have the sponsors. When it doesn't necessarily have the same pro prospects and the same cachet, it's not existing anymore. Where did Melo go to high school? Uh, uh, St. Anthony's. No. St. Anthony. Uh, Carmelo? No, he went to. Oh, Boston. he went to. He was in Boston. He went, no, he went to. Uh, he went to the prep school. Oh, no, uh, Oak Hill. Academy. Oak Hill. I'm sorry, not St. Anthony's. So I Oak bring Hill. this up for a reason. Yeah. Oak Hill is one of the greatest schools to produce in players of all time. Yeah. My brother Steven Jackson, Mello, all of these guys. I, Rondo. I, we, the one thing about like being an athlete and being in this sport, like we admire everybody. So I remember like admiring Baltimore when they had Reggie Wingate and, and Reggie Williams and Sam Cassell and on Muggsy Bowles. Like we watch programs from other places. And I remember idolizing what Oak Hill was doing. Like I was like, that's yeah. dope. Yeah. Like, it's a, it's a prep crazy. school they went crazy. that brings people from all over the world and, in theory, becomes one of the greatest basketball teams in the country while still nurturing young men. I was like, that's dope. But when all of those top flight players leave, so do the sponsors. Yeah. And Oak Hill probably don't even exist anymore. They're still playing. They're not on the they, same level, though. Yeah, I mean, they they top 10 nationally every year. Oh, they are? Yeah, every year. They deserve to be. Yeah, yeah. Because that program is dope. But a, a, a program like Rice doesn't exist anymore. Rice shut the whole school down. And, and what that is, is solely the sponsors. Yeah, they were a Nike school. Solely the sponsors saying, y'all got who on the team? <laughs> not going to work. <laughs> not going to work. Let's and pivot. then all of a sudden, they not there no more? No, thank you. Let's pivot. Let's pivot. Let's find the next school. Yeah, Correct. basically. Correct. So speaking of schools, all right, we're in your school right now. Um, congratulations, first and foremost. Thank you. This is impressive. Yeah, Appreciate that. We got to take a, a, a short tour before we came here. Um, but it's very impressive, the school that you built, Jalen Rose Academy. Leadership Academy. Jalen Rose Leadership Academy. Mm -hmm. And it's ninth through 12th grade mm -hmm. in Detroit, Michigan. And it's a free charter school. Is that correct? Correct. Okay, so talk about that. What made you want to get into the business of education? And how long has the school been in existence? So we're entering our 12th school year. And the one thing that people underestimate about athletes, and I joke with my entertainment friends all of the time about this, is athletes are required to be educated because you got to stay eligible. Mm -hmm. And therefore, because you play sports, in theory, you're required to be a role model very early as an athlete people come up to you taking pictures want your autograph want your likeness want to you know spend time with you and so as somebody that was a former athlete i was trying to think how can i give back to the community in a meaningful way 
because I already had the Jalen Rose Charitable Fund that influenced 40 plus young people um, with scholarship dollars to college. But I felt like that just wasn't enough. It, you, you can't achieve your goals necessarily anymore in America that you dreamed of right out of high school. But if you think about this, anybody that can hear my voice that has graduated from high school, when you leave high school, your high school don't do nothing for you anymore. They invite you to the 10 year reunion. You get successful, they'll ask you to donate, but they don't support you. And so one of the things I wanted to do is I feel like the eight most important years of a young person's life are the four that they're in high school or the four that they could be in college. Like you ask any adult what their dreams went awry, it's during those puberty eight years, you start making your own decisions, you start being exposed to drugs and sex and drinking and social media, Just you, you get exposed to life. And you need a level of nurturing after high school. So it's important for me to champion a nine through 16 model that when you graduate from high school, it's not just we'll throw your hat in the air and see you in 10 years, it's secondary education. So we're gonna support you, um, community college, university, uh, trade school, military, um, police, police academy, whatever you decide to do, we're gonna be there and continue to help nurture you. And so the nine through 16 thing is one of the things I'm most proud of. The other thing is that we go for 11 months. Um, in the United States of America, you get out of school in June, you go back in September. Um, the people that we owe billions of dollars to and trillions of dollars to, like a China, for example, they require their young people to go to school six and or sometimes seven days a week. Mm -hmm. So we can't truly compete in a global economy. So how can I take these young people who are not reading or doing math at a ninth grade level, but still put them in position to compete for the same career, the same job, the same collegiate classroom as their suburban counterparts. And so that's why I wanted to champion a nine through 16 model. If I had a blank check, I would ultimately see, uh, um, I, I, would, I would hope that the United States would adopt a model of a K through 16 to where you're nurturing the young person the entire way through. And that's in the classroom, that's in trades, that's for jobs, that's for social and emotional support. That's when you're dealing with depression, you're dealing with anxiety, we got the counselors here. Like, it, it's a lifestyle. And that's what I wanted to create here, but I didn't have the bandwidth to do that, just being one person. Um, look at the beginning pictures of when we started the school. There ain't no sponsor standing behind me. Yeah. Not one. Like, it's literally me and Dave being who was the mayor at the time, cutting the ribbon. And so over the years, we've started to get, make our outcomes happen. So, um, sponsors and supporters started to come on board. So for me, it was an opportunity to start a school. I always was passionate about education, being a member of the Fab Five and being a McDonald's All-American. People, hey, the headline is how many points I scored, how many games we won. But people underestimated the fact that I was an honor roll student in high school. I was on the dean's list at Michigan. Like education was always important to me. So for me, it was just an opportunity to help as many young people be educated by a quality school in their community and put them in position to chase their goals. So, so what was the process like? I know this is an 11 year journey, 12 year journey now. We're about to go into the new school year. 
a work doing the inner workings of education. Like we've all been students, mm-hmm. and I was a you know a teacher. And when you go on the other side, you realize wait, this is there's a lot of stuff that you don't know. So getting the funding, figuring out curriculum, mm-hmm. making sure that the ACT graduation rates, Correct. attendance rates, Correct. truancy, all these things. All like what was like that, that learning curve for you? Like it's a, it's um, it, it's it's refreshing for me to see how young people come in. Because I was this young person, too. At eighth grade, you don't know if you want to be fly. You don't know if you want to be smart. You don't know if you want to sit in front of the class. You don't know if you want to be cool. Like, you're still trying to figure it out. And the number one thing that I realized that these young people needed was physical support and energy and time and money. And so the quality of your education in the United States of America is defined by your zip code. There's reason why people with means move to a district where there's good schools. And so there's levels to this. There's the private school parent. There's the suburban public school parent. There's the inner city private school parent. And then there's the public school. So what ends up happening is you get residue from all of that and now you have school. And so there are high-performing schools, like in Detroit. If you say, hey, what's the most high-performing schools in Detroit the last 30 years? Everybody going to say Cass. What's the name of it? Cass Technical. Oh. Right? And it has been. But why is it only one? It's only one. King started to come along. Renaissance popped up there for a while. But what they do, and this ain't no shots or shade. It's just a reality. They test you in before ninth grade and they'll test you out before 10th grade. And so what we do, being open enrollment, tuition-free, public charter, is we're gonna take you as you are. And we're gonna nurture you over this eight-year period to put you in position to take care of yourself, educate yourself, and um, be in a position to take care of those you love. And so there have been a lot of challenges in trying to fundraise and trying to expand the facility uh, there's been a lot of frustration by me that I need to stay encouraged. Um, there's so many times I think like, man, Michigan been fundraising for since the 1800s. And people just turn around and get them $100 million like it ain't nothing. <laughs> like, can you get them 98 and give us two? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But then what I learned is some people, and they not judging how you give, like, I I had to learn to not judge people who don't give back to the community, who don't give their time, who do give for prestige. And I had to realize we don't have a stadium, 125,000 fans that's going to bring you to have to bring you to mid midfield and give you a standing ovation. Or we don't have like the shiny building that you could put your name on, and then when your college plays on TV, they're like, yo, that's the such and such and such and such building. And so this is the actual charity that makes it to the hood. And even though I got to knock on doors, you know, a thousand times to probably get one donor, that's been the biggest hurdle and the biggest challenge to try to make sure they have the assets they need to carry out the goals. So who, is it funded by the state or is it funded by private? See, see, here's, this is like the NIL. So a private, 
so a, a, a charter school gets zero state funding for its facility. Right. What's the most important thing in your life? Your house or your car? So if we ain't getting no money for our facility, that means we need an HVAC system right now that costs $1.5 million. Y'all doing this interview in this room because this is the new wing that we expanded six or seven years ago. We ain't doing it in the old wing because there ain't no air condition. We ain't doing it in the old wing because we got an elementary school gym that I can jump up and pull the rim down now. <laughs> I, I didn't realize it was hanging until I just got here today. And so that to me has been like not only the biggest challenge, but like that's going to be the biggest game changer also. Like I'm going to turn these lemons into lemonade and the donors that we have and the sponsors that we have, I'm extremely grateful for them. But when I'm able to expand this facility where we don't have rotating teachers, I want to create a holistic space for meditation, prayer, counseling, um, have a gym where our team can play, where we can host high school tournaments and district regionals and stuff like that. We can host colleges maybe when they come play and practice, pro teams when they come play and practice. Like that's really the next phase of what we're trying to do. But it is extremely challenging raising money for inner city young people. I know you said you weren't disappointed in people not giving back on the surface, right? But Isaiah is one of the people who gave back and there's a few other sponsors, but I, obviously as a celebrity, um, it, it feels like this should be like something that she, people should get behind. But I mean, this has obviously been a valuable lesson. So how do you, I mean, how do you differentiate? Like, yo, I thought he was cool. You should support my vision. People don't now it's like, well, how do I view you now? Would you just say it right there, fam? Like, I stopped liking people mm. because I feel like if the person, if you've ever heard the word Detroit, if you've ever been in Michigan, if you've ever gone to college here, if you've ever came to Detroit Metropolitan Airport, I told you about the school or you heard about the school. So if you see our donor wall, if you see our golf outing, and you like, wait a minute, I just saw John Doe with a Detroit hat on, ain't he from the D? I just saw her talking about what up, Doe. What happens is I had to step back and be like, yo, certain people ain't willing to donate their time and their money when there isn't prestige involved. And that was a hard, dog, I'm trying to tell you that was a hard step. Because if I showed you my phone and the people that I text, they either ignore me or don't donate and claim to put on for the city. This ain't like the first year I've been doing this. You know, so I've been doing this 12 years. Mm -hmm. So at some point, you got to fall through it. Some <laughs> at some point. Right? You, had <laughs> right? good, you had a good year between one of the You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, graduation come, I pick up the phone, Big Sean, he there. T Grizzly, he there. Golf Audi, Sada Baby, he there. Platinum Equity Pistons, they there. Calvin Johnson, Megatron, he there. So I learned to then celebrate and embrace the people who do support, not clown, expose, or be mad at the people who don't. And that's hard. That's, 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 that's so challenging because usually the person that's the founder of the school ain't alive right. it's your, it's your. or is named after somebody else. 
Like I'm a living, breathing human being interacting with everybody. So it's like, like dog, I know dog. Like, and so that 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 was challenging. But as people start talking about charity and giving back, I noticed many public figures don't have a foundation. A lot of people grow up somewhere and they don't have their driver's license still where they grew up. I do. I could flip it to Florida right now and save money on my taxes. I ain't doing it. Yeah. Talk about that though, right? Like, obviously you went to school here in, in, this, in the state of Michigan. You played for, I'm gonna get this right. I'm gonna try. Drafted by the Nuggets. Yup, 94. Played for the Bulls. I did. Played for Indiana. I did. Toronto was was yep. big payday. Yup. Yes, indeed. <laughs> they all pay good. Yeah. And ended Phoenix Knicks. In, in the, I was gonna say Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Ended with the Knicks. During all that time, you still lived here. Yes. Talk why it's so important to be here. I mean, this is your neighborhood. I ain't you said never you grew up leaving. Yeah. I ain't never leaving. I can walk to the house I grew up in right now. And my grandmother, who I lost a year or so ago, she was a hundred and three. And she lived all of those years in this city. And she made sure, along with my mother, who I lost last February, they made sure that you're going to put on for the city. You're going to give back to the city. And real Detroiters stay in the city. I could take y'all, we could jump in the car right now and go drive. And I could just pull up on people and be like, yo, would you rather live in Detroit or L.A.? Detroit. I ain't never leaving. This episode is sponsored by FX's Atlanta. FX's Atlanta returns for its final season. Earn, Alfred, Darius, and Van are back in their hometown. But the question is, has Atlanta changed or have they? FX's Atlanta, the final season, all new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. You want to live, you want to live in, you want to go live in Hawaii <laughs> or Detroit? Detroit. I ain't never leaving. What did I say in the Fab Five Doc? Who want to go to Europe? It ain't Detroit. That's what I said. This was 30 years ago. <laughs> you see what I mean? This, this was 30 years ago. And the reason why we feel so passionate about it is not only what it's done for us, but we know it needs help. We know it's scarred. We know that if you leave a, a town that had 1.5 million people, that now has 600,000 people, you're gonna to continue to diminish our hometown. So it's important for people who have the opportunity to migrate to still consider making Detroit or Michigan their home to do that reinvestment. So that's why it was important to me to never leave. Let's talk about um, fundraising from a business standpoint because it's a business show and that's a business within itself. So what lessons did you learn um, as far as fundraising and uh, what are some techniques that you know you, you use to improve your, your fundraising over the, over the course of time? The first thing I learned is that people don't donate for pity. They donate for things that they feel like make them happy. It's, 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 like, it's like, like you see those commercials all of the time that they used to have where they show kids with flies flying around their faces and stuff like that to try to make it create an imagery of, oh, you gotta reach in your pockets and help them right now. Well, that in theory 
is the reason why that stopped. You notice that campaign doesn't run anymore because people give, like I mentioned, for prestige and validity. Majority of our sponsors have never been here. The thing that I realize that they're investing in me, in my vision, and they feel like, like the parents feel. Y'all come here one day during dismissal, or if y'all come here one day when the, the young scholars are coming to school, y'all are here to parents. You're dropping them off to you, Jalen. We know you got them. It's the same thing with fundraising. I'm donating to you because I know that you're so committed in this. I've seen you spend your time, your energy, your money. So I'm in theory donating to you because I know you're going to do the right thing for them. And the other thing I learned is that a lot of times trying to ask people to donate for something can be challenging if they're not from Detroit, they don't live in Detroit, and they don't have kids that go to school in Detroit. So in other words, you have a school that's 99% black, but a donor wall of businesses and companies and people that are probably 95% white. So that dynamic is one that you navigate and you're really grateful to those that support. And now my goal is just to put some more zeros on them donations. Yeah, so the, even that, like the fundraising process, people, I'm sure there's people are like, well, what do you need to raise funds for, right? Like you're, you're an athlete. Same reason why Michigan yeah. need to raise money. Exactly. So like- Michigan been raising money since the 1800s. And, we, and so like they can see the tangible things like, oh, we built this new wing. So like, can you talk because about- Because they feel like we got yeah, enough. Exactly. That's because they feel like, oh, Y'all got, y'all got heat. <laughs> right, right. Y'all got a building. <laughs> that's the, so that's what I'm trying to say. That this uh, cost associated with actually running a school. Like, there's a lot that goes into it. Can you, can you talk about that? Because you, obviously, you said the HVAC. That's a real issue. Correct. And in Detroit, because here's the thing: a property like this, if we were in Chicago or New York, we could take over a facility that'd be worth 1.8 million dollars 10 years ago. In the same building, but now be worth three million. Well, in Detroit, that same one point eight billion dollar building now is worth one point three. Appreciate that. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So that dynamic affects everything that you do. It affects the enrollment. It's just not as many people. It affects the teachers. The talent pool just isn't as plentiful. And it affects the donors because not as many people that live here or care about what's happening here. So what happens is that becomes a trickle down effect for everything that we're trying to get accomplished. And the, the idiocy of some people makes them think, oh, they see me like I ain't no billionaire. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you heard Chris Rock, like Shaq Rich, the person that writes Shaq check is wealthy. You see what I mean? But what happens is sometimes people see us. Oh, y'all got enough. Good. We got running water. You good. You know what I mean? We gave you enough. And that's where I have to come in and make sure that I fist fight as much as possible for all of the support that our scholars are going to need to chase their goals. You never have enough money. 
never have enough money. And, and, and I love y'all shirts, assets of liabilities because one of the biggest misnomers about successful people is that we can both walk past the same thousand dollar pile. They're going to fight you for it. See, a, the, a lot of time the mentality is the broke person thinks the rich person ain't going to fight them for that thousand dollars. But the reason why they rich is because they keep stacking those thousands of dollars. Like now we don't value change. So many times in a day, I swear to you, I walk past, pick up this quarter. It's good luck. I need that. It's good luck. And then before you know, I look down the email like, oh, ESPN want to do what? Cool. In my mind, that creates a domino for opportunity for good luck. And so that's what I'm hoping to get accomplished here. Speaking of ESPN, so we we recently chopped it up with AB. Shout out to him. No doubt. And he said something that was actually pretty profound, where he said that um, most athletes, they struggle when they're done playing because the opportunities is very short for them, right? He's like, unless you're a sports broadcaster, which very few people can be a sports broadcaster, there's not a lot of opportunities. And he was like, not a lot of people stay relevant. Mm -hmm. Their relevancy dies. And he was like, he's able to stay relevant. It was a whole different conversation. But long story short, yeah, you've able you've been able to be a sports broadcaster, but not a lot of people have been able to be sports broadcasters. So, talk about that that tr tr the transition from being an athlete to no longer playing, your transition to being a broadcaster, how that's worked, and a lot of your peers that have not been able to transition as smoothly as you have. AB's my guy, and he went to Central Michigan, mm -hmm. and I've been following him and supporting him and had love for him for a long time. And the, the one thing about being an athlete is it becomes a what have you done for me lately career. If you're a singer or you're a financial advisor, you could do shows or manage money in theory forever. You could do that to your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, your 60s. I was just playing golf. Well, I guess I missed the ball five times and I'm doing <laughs> considered playing golf. But I was out there at a, 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 an event with Jack Nicklaus. Like he's in his 80s. He can still play golf. As a basketball player or as a football player, at some time there's going to be a shelf life to what you do. So there has to be a plan of appreciating your position, like Rick Ross said, but plotting your promotion. And I started working on my second career when I got traded from the Pacers because radio, TV, film was my major in college. And in Indiana, we were going to the playoffs. We had one of the best records in the league and da 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 But when I got traded to the Bulls, it was February. They had nine wins. Like, we ain't going to the playoffs. It's my team. Right? Right? I'm like, we ain't going to the playoffs. We wasn't. We wasn't. I literally reached out. I had, I had did 106 in part. I did BT Mad Sports. I reached out to the contact I had there. And I pitched the idea to let them have me cover the finals for them that year. I was like, I got a spot in L.A. I think the Lakers are going to make it. They had just won a championship. Like, I think they had Shaq and Kobe. They was killing. I was like, I think the Lakers going to be in. The Lakers are in for sure. Y'all should let me cover it. All y'all got to do is send the camera. I'll get the access. I'll do all of that. Lakers made it. They played New Jersey Nets at the time. Yeah. And... I did everything, interviewed Shaq, interviewed Denzel, interviewed Jack, interviewed everybody. 
cut and spiced it. They played it on TV. Soon as they played it on TV, I recorded it and I pitched it the best damn sports show. And they hired me. So while I was in the league, like we see Draymond Green, my little brother, doing it right now. But imagine, it took like 25 years for another player to do it while they were playing. I already did that. You see what I mean? They hired me while I was in the league. And so from 2002 or three to 2007, BET Mass Sports, NFL Network, MTV Movie Awards, Top Ranked Boxing. Like I was doing all of these gigs while I was still a 20 point scorer in the league. So when I retired in 2007, I'm trying to figure where I was going to go next with my multimedia career. I ended up choosing ESPN because it's 24-7, 365 sports. And that's where I ultimately landed. This was my 20th consecutive year covering the finals on TV. And so, like, being a part of the multimedia space and trying to keep myself relevant, um, it's a score of the game, and it's a game of life. And the one thing athletes have to learn is it's only like 10 people that the rest of the world really cares what they accomplished. You know what I mean? And in America, to be honest with you, um, society tries to make us feel like it's only 10 successful black people. Mm-hmm. Like, you ain't, you ain't, you ain't, you, what have you done? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You ain't nobody. You a loser. Like, a loser? What do you mean? Like, I don't know. Like, Hold up. <laughs> mother crib. You know what I'm saying? I got a black car. You know what I'm saying? I went to the dentist. Like. I'm a champion in my life. Checked off all the boxes. Yeah. yeah like, but, but what ends up happening is, it's like, if you're not Michael Jordan, if you're not, yeah, Jay-Z, they, they, the society makes us think it's only 10 successful black people. And the relevancy you talked about, that's only, it's not relevancy, actually. It's visibility. Because just because I'm not on TV all of the time, I don't mean I ain't somewhere breaking bread, doing what I want to do, having entrepreneurial pursuits. Look at uh, um, Junior Bridgman. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he, he, he's been an elite businessman forever as a former NBA player. What about Vinny Johnson? Yep. Yeah. Jamal Mashburn. Jamal Same Mashburn. thing, Jamal Mashburn. Yeah, Chauncey, all of that. Chauncey has some stuff there, Cor- too. Correct. Yeah. And so what ends up happening is those stories don't get acknowledged, but they're happening. And the reason why they don't get acknowledged is because those dudes ain't <laughs> pumping their chest out, talking about, they just like collecting the money. Oh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like a dice game, they just collecting the money, right? And so that, that to me has actually um, been an amazing thing for me to still work in multimedia after playing or while playing because it then drives the opportunity for me to fundraise for JRLA. The opportunity to keep a visibility that now gives me an opportunity to change things in my community. That's really the thing that um, I appreciate about the opportunities I've been given. Yeah, so from the business standpoint, let's start early. You said when you were in college, you didn't know what your credit score was. Mm-mm. So probably the financial education wasn't there, but obviously throughout your career, you've developed it. And so you've had two careers, right? You've had the professional one as an athlete, and now you have a professional one as an analyst and a, a producer, too. Mm-hmm. The Fat Five, mm-hmm. 30 for 30, was done by you. So what's that like? Because we spoke to Jamel Hill about negotiating contracts. I know it's one thing for the sports, 
But from this side, this is this is this is a new thing. Are you hands on? Is you keep the same agent when you're going through this process, or how does this work? I'll fire you in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I um, had a couple of agents as a player, and I've had a couple of agents as a media personality. And one of the scariest things about being talent, as we're called, is that some of the most important conversations about your career happen, but you're not on the phone. Just think about the dynamics of that. You hire an agent, they're talking to the network, they're talking to the team, but you ain't on the phone. And so you don't know what they saying about you or if they even representing your best interest. So what ends up happening is what I learned to do is I have an amazing team of people that work for me. I'm, I am not who I am without my team. I got the best team, but I need to know what's being said because it's too important. So yes, I'll still have personal relationships with the people I'm negotiating with. I'm still talking to them. I'm still communicating with the people that work on my behalf because it is a different game. It is a different space. And also, the media hates when you don't conform. Like Lamar Jackson right now, he negotiated his contract with the Ravens. At some point when you hear him talk, at some point when people are talking about his contract, they're going to say, oh, Lamar doesn't have an agent. I remember he was coming out for the draft and they were like, well, he's hard to get in contact with. No, he's not. His mama's representing him. You want to contact anybody, you could call a mama. He ain't hard to find. What it is, is he's not traditionally paying the system to get him paid. He's bypassing it. I'm going to be on the phone to talk about my money and my career. And they don't like that. They hate that. And that's why he's going into a season as a former MVP without a deal. Yeah. Deshaun Watson, how many games he won for the Browns? Zero. Can't play the first 12. Most money ever for a quarterback. And the deal's backloaded. So this year he gets one million they, salary. They're going to take care of him because he's <laughs> talented. Yep. Is the point. Lamar's already shown us that. But since he's not feeding the system, it's a little tougher for him to get his bread. And so that's what I learned, is that even if you're unorthodox and you're not necessarily just like, yes, 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 okay, okay, okay then it can be a little more turbulent. But you need to stand on the table about your life, your business, because we only have one. How do you feel? So we spoke to Jamel Hill, and she was talking about women. I love Jamel. Shout out to my sister. Yeah. yeah. She's from Detroit, Detroit. right? Yes, yeah. indeed. She was talking about the difference between. Now, she represents the city. Yeah. <laughs> I love Jamel. Yeah. She, she put on for the city. So she was talking about the difference between women and men in sports. And her husband, who went to my high school. Yeah, good dude. We met him in L.A., too. Right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, she was talking about the difference between women and men's pay. But I just thought of something just in this moment, actually. You see Tony Romo. He's excellent. He's actually excellent. You might get me in trouble. He gets paid a lot But he gets paid a lot of money. I think who else? Tom Brady got offered a deal before he even He's still playing. But he Troy got Aikman. Troy Aikman. Um these contracts that they getting is crazy. Football. They're like baseball numbers. Pat McAfee? Yeah. I haven't I've never heard of I might be wrong, but I haven't heard of any 
black sports analysts or black players having that same type of, even Stephen A, when they was like how much he got paid, and it wasn't really that much compared to the other people in that space. What is your thoughts on that? Because that's something that nobody's really, like I said, I never even thought about that until this very moment. I've never heard anybody bring that up, but I don't know. Seems a little off to me. Most of the sports are dominated by black athletes. And for Stephen A., who's been able to establish himself as one of the best at what, what he or we does, he's not, quote-unquote, considered a former athlete um, because he, quote-unquote, didn't play in the pros. And so I've said this. I would make more money in this game based on my experience and based on my education if I wasn't a former player. I would make more money. And what has happened in sports, if you have the word quarterback attached to your name in football, it could be Pop Warner quarterback. Mm -hmm. You could get top dollar for your job. Former basketball players, you ain't seen it. When it's time for that multimedia space to get paid in football, it's, oh, it's so much money in the game. Of course they're going to pay Jane or John Doe. It's money in basketball, too. And another thing you don't see, and this is something that um, I hope to be a part of, is us now being our own multimedia conglomerate where we actually own the content, where we're creating the shows, where we're now um, the infrastructure. You're still working with the system, within the system, but that still hasn't happened. And especially for people that look like me and you. Mm -hmm. And those top dollar game changing Contracts, you ain't seen it for a former basketball player. No, I'm, I'm trying to even think of well, a black football player. No, definitely not football. But, I, I'm well, and, and you, but you just said why? I'm, I'm, the only former black football players I see working in the media are who? Ray Michael Lewis. Vick, Ray Lewis, a no. quarterback. A oh, quarterback. Quarterbacks. Yeah, Michael Vick. No, they got um, RG3 at ESPN. RG3? Yeah. He just got into it, absolutely. Yeah. And so they're, they're starting to trickle in now. Yeah. But what has happened is, to his point, like the market has already been set. Yeah. And so for me as a form, I'm the only basketball player still to this day. And I stand on the shoulders of my brother, John Sally, who brought me in, um, former bad boy, OG, when he was a member of the Best Damn Sports Show. And I remember Jason Williams of the Nets. Um, Jason Williams. Okay, that Jason Williams. When, before he had his issues. Right, right, right. He was also working with NBC. And those were two people when I was in the late 90s thinking like, dang, that's dope. They in the league and they working in the media? So I kind of asked them for advice and what I should do and stuff like that. But still to this day, when I started uh, doing Numbers Never Lie with Michael Smith and Hugh Douglas, that was in like 2011. That was the first time since the Best Damn Sports Show that a former basketball player was featured on the Monday through Friday show. That's still the case to this day. Like on Deontay Wilder, to this day. <laughs> to this day. And I'm not talking about like an NBA show. 
course you're going to have some basketball players on an NBA show. I'm talking about like a variety show. Like Jalen and Jacoby is a variety show. You look at the show, I got Immortals behind me, I got the Ali Summit, I got Harriet Tubman, I got Nipsey, like that's a variety show. Still, to this day, <laughs> the only basketball player featured on a Monday through Friday show. So these are things in the industry that I hope to change, that I want to see change, and I welcome. And so I hope that that's happening, but it's already been established almost how it's going to be. So it's hard to cut through. Look at, if you look at the faces of the announcers, the play-by, if you look at the, look at the faces of the hosts, in basketball and football. You look at the faces of the announcers in basketball and football. You look at the faces of the people that break news in basketball and football. Even though those sports are majority black, we're very, we're underrepresented in the areas I just described. And as you're saying, I'm thinking of the names that I'm hearing these alerts from. It's either Schefter or it's Wojo for, for basketball. And Wojo. Yeah. Wojo got all the information. He got every, everybody's number one. He breaks everything. Guy. Even like Mike Breen or you got Jim Nance in football. I'm just thinking of the names as you're saying it. But, I mean, you're in media, right? So you, you, you do have Jalen um, and Jacoby, and then you have Jalen versus everybody. Mm-hmm. So you have the media. Yep. Is it is it the expansion going to happen too? Because obviously that 30 for 30 that you did, Mm-hmm. I mean, you were producing that. Yep. And so there's plenty of other stories that can be told. Do you envision yourself and your, your team telling more stories and having more of a, you know, like a handle on trying to shape narrative and change this? Yes, yes. And, and, and the thing that has changed from only having linear opportunities on television to now having these digital opportunities that before everybody was only in a rush to be on TV. But now you realize, based on the digital space, as we now do this show, like there's so many successful properties that aren't on linear television because they're being now funded digitally. And you can put them out socially, and you can put the clips out, and then you can now create a career, in theory, without being on TV. See, when I started doing this, you, could, you couldn't have a career without being on TV because social media didn't exist. All right. And I hope that we're starting to see a more diversity in a couple of the spaces that I mentioned. But I've been saying this for 20 years, to be honest with you. I also just thought about something in this moment with media. Sports is the only field where players are critiqued every single day. Like if you really think about it, there's not daily shows that's like critiquing actors. It's not daily shows that's critiquing musicians. Like, you got the Breakfast Club, but they're not like every single day their job isn't to break down every bar that Drake has. Correct. Outside of politics, probably. Right. Politics, yeah. 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 But every single day, there's sports critique. And sometimes it goes a little too far. Like, Skip, he goes too far sometimes, I think, in my opinion. He goes too far away too much. Yeah, definitely. Um, So I had to tell him about himself, too. Yeah? Yeah, I did. What'd you tell him? that I know that he averaged 1.4 points <laughs> as a well, junior that, in high school. That's a classic clip. That, happened, yeah. no, that really happened. But that, that was, I was on my KRS-One, and the teacher t- t- taught us that he kept a disc record for everybody in the top 10 <laughs> in case somebody, he, he ready for a body shot, he ready for a jab, 
And I was I was ready for the same thing. I was ready for a face shot, a jab. I was ready for a knockout punch. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, 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 that, and that's what it has to be. And so also as we talk about like um, athletes in media also acknowledge this. Who are the experts? If I have experience at something, whatever it is, and you don't, and we have the same information and the same knowledge base, that makes me the expert. That's why if you notice when you're watching certain, when you're watching, it don't even matter, digital, linear, it don't even matter what you're watching. The person that's getting paid the most is asking the person with the expertise the question. Yeah, the Cullen commentator. Get game. <laughs> Tell us what you saw there. Get game. And then this athlete sometimes becomes disposable or turnkey because we're going to get somebody else that just got out of the league. This is the expert, right? But we now need that person to be paid as such. Hmm. That's a disparity. That, that's a discrepancy that's happened in multimedia for a very long time that it's obvious to see. So do you think that, what's the responsibility for, for journalists to, because they, they walk a lot of thin lines in sports, like what, what do you think the responsibility is between doing a job, critiquing somebody, giving your opinion, and going too far? Going too far is when you call in Chris Bosch Spice. Mm. That's too far. Spice, like from the Spice Girls? Like, yeah. Yeah, Spice Spice. Oh, I didn't even heard yeah, that before. Who said that? Skip Bayless? You, you, you mentioned the name. Skip me Wallen. Right? Right? Skip me So that's going too far. Yeah. To me, and, and it's a real distinction, if you're from the hood, you're going to appreciate this. When you call me out my name is when you go too far. Well, talking about LeBron's son. That was, that was uncomfortable. And like I told him, every time you talk about Ronnie, I'm going to talk about you. Because he don't deserve that. Like, I'm a son of a former athlete that I didn't know. Like, him and his father have a terrific relationship. LeBron has been very open with allowing the public into his life. We know who his wife is. We know who his kids is. We know where he lived. We know, like, him, Chris Paul, Steph Curry. Like, certain athletes do an amazing job of being a dad, a husband, a brother, a son, and all of that in front of everybody. Like, whoa, that's, that's impressive to me. And what crosses the line is when you calling me out my name. You can say I was over 12. You can say that you don't like my game. You can say that I don't deserve to be an all-star, whatever you want to say. But when you start creating nicknames to call me, that's too far. Yeah, that's like the Westbrook thing. He West, says Westbrook? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, you're talking about the Hall of Famer. Yeah. Because you don't have to disrespect me. No, it's not like, awful. It's not, it's not when you when you call me a name, all you're trying to do is disrespect me. Yeah, you know what I mean. And, and get some. And here, here's a peanut gallery thing. Also, you trying to get some key keys. You you trying to get. So you trying to create a name to get them to laugh at me. So now, what if I come for your job? Well, there's a precedent that's been set. Remember uh, Rome, Jim Rome. Oh, he got smacked. Yeah, like, yeah, he put hands on him. Oh, Chris no. Everett. Chris Everett. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. On, live yeah. on camera. I remember that. Yeah. That was a legendary moment. That was crazy. He, threw he, on. he asked him to stop, and he said, it, he said it like three more times. Yeah. That was crazy. Yeah. 
And so to me, that's, that's, that's the line of going too far. When you calling me out my name. And now with social media, it's even more intense. Because even if I'm cool with it, and I'm like, it ain't no big deal, my brother not, my family ain't, my kids not. So now I still got to come for you. Well, I even I, I didn't like I didn't like the way that um, Stephen A. I didn't like the way that he he took the Kyrie thing because I felt like all right if you don't agree with him getting a, a shot, which was inconsistent because he actually had which McCauley as his NFL Player of the Year um, Aaron Rodgers Aaron Rodgers who didn't get the shot either. So there was an inconsistency in that. But the way that it was almost like he had something personal against him, like you know what I mean, like that to me. And we met Kyrie; he's actually a really cool dude. So. I thought that that's something that is dangerous too because it's like you got a lot of extreme people and like when you're fueling a fire and you never know somebody might take that and run with it like you know what I mean and I felt like that's something that's not responsible to to kind of put out there like it crosses the line between being a sports analyst and being a personal vendetta but it also fuels like you said like somebody who's not in the right, right mindset like what happened with Chris Paul at the playoff game exactly they feel comfortable touching his mom. That's an issue. Or like when somebody's saying Westbrook in front of his family and they just came to watch the game, right? Like you don't know what that one take that you had to try to get laughs or try to get ratings has now done on a personal level to somebody's family. And you're calling me a name, more importantly, so other people will too. Right. So you're giving me a tag now. And as somebody who's so very grateful that his name has become a common name, Nobody knows that better than me. A name is a symbol. Like, that's, that's not a shotgun decision when you're going to name your kid after somebody. That's a nine-month. Everybody get to chime in on the name of the baby. Mm-hmm. Parents get to chime in, siblings, grandparents, grind, grind. That, that's not a shotgun. That's not a one-night stand decision. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so when you're calling me Bosch Spice, you're saying it so everybody else will, too. That's my true problem with it. You're trying to give me a tag. So now I got to defend myself because if I don't, then now everybody's going to think that's cool. Yeah. It's almost like social media. At some point, you got to just block people. Yeah. Or, or you can't defend yourself, right? Right. Because if, right? if you do, now you know this person has the opportunity every day to say it. And you're not going to get the opportunity to say it because you got to focus on the crap. I'm not judging people that do. I just joined Instagram maybe three years ago. At first, I wasn't going to join. Oh, man. I'm showing my age, man. I don't do no pictures. You know what I'm saying? I ain't about that. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, all right, everybody, like, you got to join. You got to join. You got to join. And the one thing I noticed, and I never do this, and again, there are other people that do this, but if I post something, I ain't about to argue with the per- people in the comments. <laughs> I posted it. I said it. And I'm going to stand on it. I ain't about to now get in the comments and be arguing with everybody about what I just said. I'm just not going to do that. And that's the same thing that we have here is if you're calling me a name, you're disrespecting me. So be ready for me to pull receipts on you. And normally in these cases, and we're talking about 1.4, he didn't handle it well. When I pull his receipts, 1.4. He didn't handle it well. Because usually, if you're a junior playing JV, that's almost like a bully. 
Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? <laughs> like, so, 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 but, but now, if people say that to him, right? He'll be mad still at me because I put it out there. Yeah. And that's how the athlete feels when you do that to them. Yeah. Yeah. Those are your own medicine. Yeah. That's a fact. That is. That is. That is. Well, uh, before we leave, just one one question I got to ask you. I don't like to just do top fives. It's kind of generic. But uh, I want to ask you this. Who is the, the, the top three college teams? Because you're on a legendary team. You're on a, legend, you're on a legendary team. Top three college teams. And that could be for just talent alone or impact or whatever, however so you want to. I've never been asked this. We, we, we've okay. had this, we had this yeah, conversation. Sure. So All right, okay, okay. So yeah. my top three. Can they exclude themselves? No, 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 he oh, got it, he got, got it. it. Well, the Fab Five is in there. Right. One. That's one. Of course, five. of course. UNLV. Which year? LJ, Stacey Augman. Championship year or the year they lost to Duke? Any year. Okay. Oh, they was back to back, right? No, they lost to Duke. But they, that, they had two years. Yeah, they, they won it and they lost it. The year they lost to Duke, I was in Anderson. I was at it was in Southwest Detroit, in Anderson Hunt's basement with full UNLV gear on. And like you, when the Five Five lost, tears came down my eyes. I never knew that I'd be playing against Duke the next year in the finals. That's crazy. That's crazy. That's crazy. Five Five, running Rebels. I mean, I love DC Syracuse teams. I got Okay. I, so let me. Let so me. Sherman Douglas. Stevie Thompson. Billy Owens. You want to throw a couple more? You want to do five just to round it up? All right, let's do five. I, I, all right, I like, all right. Like this more. Okay. Because like <laughs> you ain't say his. No, 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 no. no. Georgetown. Said. Which one? Uh, Allen Iverson? Or no, I was, no, was going to go to one before. You Patrick Ewan, Reggie Williams, Wingate. Uh, that squad. Yeah, so that's like the 80-14. Yeah, and I mean, that Carolina squad with Jordan Worthy, you know. So all you guys go, all right, got it. So, all right, that's that's a solid. Right. What I said was for what impacted me personally was you guys, of course, UNLV, of course. North Carolina, but the different North Carolina team, when they had Vince Carter. Agreed. Um, Jameson. Jameson. Yeah, but see, they're younger than me. Yeah, they're younger. That's why everything is. Yeah, I'm saying only teams yeah. that are. I don't know how it impacted yeah. you. But I remember Ed Coda. Ed Coda. Shaman Williams. Noctar Enzo. So you ready for this? Mactar played with Tim Duncan at Wake Forest. He played with Rashid <laughs> at North Carolina. He you, played with us in Michigan. Yeah, That's yeah, what yeah. I got. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. He was. He was. He yeah. was. Okay, so, so Larry Brown was my coach with the Pacers. One year in preseason, we practiced at Carolina. I went to campus. The first time I seen Rashid, Vince Carter, Stackhouse, oh, God. rocking Michigan gear on campus at Carolina. And they was like, Dean Smith, love you, dawg. <laughs> they took me to Carolina's, uh, I guess it was their athletic facility. It was a picture of me hanging up, shooting the ball over Bobby Hurley. Ooh. It was, it was like, Dean, love you, dog. I was like, well, he ain't love me enough to let me win that championship. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I love them, too. Like, like squads after me, like players, at, like when I say after me, it's like after I was in college, 
Bubba Chuck, for sure. Well, that's what I was going to say. So that was my name. So, like, for me, it's moments in time. And I got that same feeling that I had when y'all guys was playing, when Allen Iverson was playing. But it wasn't just AI. It was uh, Victor Page also. Victor Page is a very lefty, strong. He's not, very love him. He yeah. was love so, him. He averaged twenty a game. And love Victor Page. They also had um, Odell Harrington, Odell Harrington, J. Lefty, yep. Junkyard Dog, Junkyard Dog, former yeah. Piston. Yeah, they, they had like four NBA players on that team. Mm-hmm. They was ball. But the, the conversation Carolina was, was too. I, the conversation we had was who was the most talented. You, you said I said the United States Kentucky. You team. said Duke. No, no, Kentucky. I never said Duke. He went mainstream. I would never say Duke. <laughs> he said Duke, Kentucky. No, no, I would, <laughs> that's not true. All right, so if I did say Duke. Duke was the, a good team. No, no, the, the conversation was the most talented basketball team. And so we talking talent. There's no more, there's no team that has more NBA players than the 96 Kentucky team. Agreed. That's a fact. There's not even that, for That's Wall, Boogie. That's, that's Wall, Derek Anderson, Ron Mercer. Oh, that oh, no, squad. No, no. 96. Oh, that squad. They, they beat Otis yes. Hill and they beat yes, they um, Derek Anderson was at Ohio State, hurt his knee and yeah, transferred to Kentucky. That's what we got. Who's on that team again? They had Antoine Walker. Ed Coda. Ed Co- no, no, no. Antoine Walker, Tony Delp, Walter McCarty, uh, Ron Mercer. Derek, that's five NBA first round players. Yeah, squad. F- first round. But, but you had like guys off the bench. I think Scott Padgett might be on the How do team. you measure that impact in the league, though? No, I said talent. I said talent. That's different. What about the Kentucky team with Wall, well, yeah. Boogie? But they didn't win. Bledsoe. They didn't win. They didn't. They didn't win. And then the net. So the the uh, the Duke one was, yo, that '98 Duke team that lost to UConn. A nut just super. Corey Maggette, Elton mm-hmm. Brand, Trangie Langdon. Mm-hmm. You like that's boy, that's a, that team. Well, you when you talent, you gotta measure them by what they did in the NBA also, though. That's not, so then you name a, a better than the Kentucky one. I mean, they got eight NBA players. That's tough to do, bro. That is crazy. <laughs> That's tough to do. That is crazy. That's tough. Yeah, it didn't have the same cultural impact. No, they didn't have a cultural impact. No, they didn't. That means I mean, Patino was a coach. He probably has more impact on the game mm-hmm. than those guys. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Sabaton was also. Who? Antoine Walker. Antoine Walker. Shout out to Antoine Walker. Yeah. No doubt. Love Antoine. Antoine. Yeah. Just saw him at the playoffs oh, when the Celtics was playing. He was the best one on the team. Career-wise. Yeah. Career-wise, for sure. But Derek Anderson, if had he, he not get team. hurt, probably was, at, I mean, equally as talented. Mm-hmm. Ron Mercer didn't really pan out like we thought, mm-hmm. but, yeah. They they was a crazy talented team, and that, that really set the stage to Cal doing the one-and-done thing. The one they, and done. they beat UMass. That's at the stage, I know. You know what I'm saying? Lou Rowe, Lou Rowe, um, Marcus Kim. Marcus Kim. I used to be a UMass fan. Yeah. 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 Padilla. Yeah, yeah. Guard, Padilla. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was, that's yeah. when you used to, I used to like literally VH, uh-huh. like VHS at all the games. Like the last time I did that and it hurt my heart was the 97 championship. I'm a Kentucky fan. That's why you said Jamal Mashman. I'm like, oh yeah, I love Mashman. Yeah, him and Travis Ford. That's when I started like, oh, these mm-hmm. are my, so y'all. You can see, like, obviously there, but yeah, impact was big. But Imagine and they lost to uh, Mike Bibby in Arizona. Arizona I was, like, was another one. I can't, I can't do this no more. It was too emotional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'm glad you pulled my coat to that Kentucky team having eight pros. I slept on that. That's true. I mean, that's what I do. You know, I have a career in sports <laughs> analyst at some point. <laughs> if you ever need us for Jalen and Yeah, if you need us, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Nicole. business is what we know yeah, for, yeah, but not. we can do sports. We do the sports sure. thing all day, every day. Yeah, I ha- I did have the five jersey with the Bulls. Um, That's law. And my daughter's middle name is Rose. Blessings. But we'll talk about that after. <laughs> <laughs> so it was going to be Jalen. No joy. It was going to be Jalen. But um, jo- her name is Jordan. 
But you can see why. Right? Yeah, you uh, Michael Jordan get the edge every, <laughs> every now and then. Slightly. Slightly. Uh, nah, appreciate you, brother. Thank you, I man. appreciate y'all. And, and the number one thing I appreciate, first off, I'm a fan of y'all's show. Still, and there's nothing like it in the marketplace. We need more intelligent, responsible brothers that have the pulse of our culture, but also have the respect of our people. So I thank y'all. And then the other thing, I want to thank all y'all for actually coming here. See, Detroit is one of those places, like, you got to get on an airplane. <laughs> you see what I mean? It ain't a part of y'all normal route. <laughs> you see what I mean? Y'all had to look at the schedule like, when we going to Detroit? No, 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 no. We've been up here a few times. We've been up here a few times. But you see what I'm saying? Yeah. The, thing, the thing I like about Detroit, shout out to my guy, Ken, shout out to Chill. You're not here, but mm-hmm. Detroit is real solid dudes. Like, I feel like it's like old school. Yes. It's like the old school, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, they just grew up real with some heavy integrity. Yeah. Yes. Like, and they just good dudes. Yes. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, everybody that I met from Detroit is real, like, just real cool, real player, like, real solid. Yes. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and when I y'all know. come back, depending on what day it is, I love to take you guys out and show y'all around a little bit. Oh, for sure. That's you know that I mean? is too easy. That is a fact. Too easy. Done and done. Let yeah. me know when y'all gonna come back. Yeah. Done and done. I know we here on the daylight tip and we talking about JRLA and educating the community, but and we gotta do an event get, too. So we do events all over. Like we did a big event in Atlanta. So that's dope. We definitely have to do an event in Detroit. Done. Let me know. Yeah. Done. Too easy. Anything that you want to tell the people before we before we wrap? I'm Anything? just happy. How can they donate to the school? Actually, is go it? to jrladetroit.com for more information about the school. Um, we're open enrollment, we're tuition free, we're public charter, we're in our 12th year of operation. Right now, I have a capital campaign where I'm raising $10 million to expand our facility so that we can have a state-of-the-art collegiate gym so we don't have to have um, rotating teachers. We can have a couple of more classrooms trying to create a holistic space for meditating, praying, yoga, stretching, and uh, counseling. And so this school is a community hub. When the pandemic happens, we open it up as a voting site. We feed families. We presented an opportunity for people to get vaccinated. So this is a, a labor of love for the community. So I'm grateful that you guys came. Now, we're definitely going to put the link in the description, and we're going to mm-hmm. donate as well. Yeah. Because, um, you know, it's inspiring to see what you're doing. Thank you. So keep up the great work, brother. Yes, Appreciate indeed. It. Appreciate, Appreciate you, man. Love. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That's a wrap for Jalen Rose, y'all. Yeah. My graduates from my school being Forbes, backdrop. Backdrop. <laughs> a mic drop. Backdrop. Backdrop. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout.
That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code STAPLE20.